0: Um, and uh, can I just say thank you to Richard for welcoming us and uh, many of you who've come and said hello. It's great to be back in Liverpool. We love Liverpool. Kate and I, we really miss it in lots of ways. And uh, I realised I just said my wife earlier. I should have t- told you her name, if you didn't know it. It's Kate, and she's great. So uh, we're, we're really glad to be back. Now, um, I'm actually going to be preaching this morning from the two verses that follow those verses that Ellie just read. But I wanted to read those 13 verses, the first 13 verses of Mark's Gospel, so I think there's a sense in which, as we read those verses, there's like a build-up of pressure as Mark introduces us to Jesus. It's like a, a geezer, you know? Uh, not a bloke. A geezer, as in the thing in, the, you know, in a wet spot, uh, which builds up pressure, and then psh, there's an eruption, okay? And there's a sense in which those first 13 verses, we're just waiting to hear about Jesus, and more specifically, waiting to hear what Jesus has to say to us. I don't know if you noticed, there's a real emphasis emphasis on proclamation, on telling something to people. It's the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that word gospel means, literally, good news, or it was used in the Greco-Roman world at the time to mean an announcement, a proclamation. You'd have a proclamation of the Caesar's birth, for example. A proclamation. John the Baptist comes, doesn't he, as we've just read, proclaiming, the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Uh, John the Baptist, in verses 7 and 8, he has a message to tell people. Basically, after me comes somebody who's greater than me. Verse 11, we hear the voice of God the Father proclaiming divine love and pleasure on his Son. And we're waiting. The pressure's building up. What will Jesus say? What will his message be? Well, let's read uh, verses 14 and 15. Let's read verses 14 and 15. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Let's pray as we look at those verses. Let's pray together. Our Father, we pray that by your spirit, you would help us to see fresh things from these familiar words, that we might be those who learn much and see more of Jesus, we ask in his name. Amen. Well, um, early on Monday morning, just gone. Oh no, wrong way. I knew that was going to happen. No, there we go. Early on Monday morning, just gone. I don't know if you follow the news. you will have seen two men. They climbed to the top of the QE2 bridge in Dartford there, and uh, they slept there for about two days, and uh, they had a particular message. It caused carnage, by the way. The road network down south was gridlocked. What was their message? You can see it on the banner there, just stop oil. A few days earlier, these two, two guys uh, threw tomato soup on a very famous painting. Again, their message, just stop oil. Uh, a year ago, you might have, if you'd been driving around, met people like this, sitting on the motorway, blocking the road, stopping everybody. Their message, insulate Britain, insulate Britain. Now, I pass no comment on the rightness of these actions or these causes, okay? We'll all have different opinions about it, I imagine. But just to point out that all of these guys, they have a clear and succinct, actionable message, right? Just stop oil. Insulate Britain. It's obvious what they want the rest of us to do. Well, did you see the succinct and actionable message of Jesus? For all people... At all times, the time he spoke it and ever since, it comes there in verse 15, the actionable part of it, repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. There's two statements, aren't there? Jesus softens us up. He says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. So, repent and believe the good news, the gospel. So here you are today in 21st century Egbeth. Would you hear God's message to you today through the words of his son? So simple. Repent and believe the gospel. Would you know how to speak to other people about your faith? Well, here's the message of Jesus. Repent and believe the good news, the gospel. Now, to repent is to turn around. Uh, my five year old told me today it means, it, said it, it means spin around, daddy, spin around. I think they'd learned that in the kids' club or something like that. It's a, good, it's a good definition. To spin around, to turn around. And sometimes we might talk about repentance as being from specific sins. Now, it is that, but the problem with talking about it is though, you know, oh, I'm going to repent of taking an extra biscuit from the biscuit tin. Because it sounds so small, right? Small actions, we repent of them, and we do. But here, when Jesus says, repent and believe the good news, he's talking about something much bigger in scope. He's talking about a whole life kind of change of direction, a spinning in the whole of life, if you like. Jesus is saying, repent, I stop living for yourself or another ideology or message, and believe. Believe in the good news. Believe in the gospel, The path we are all on by nature leads only one place, to separation from God for eternity. And Jesus says, repent, turn around, and start to follow me, believe in me, believe in the gospel. Because, of course, what is the gospel? Well, chapter 1 and verse 1, we had it read, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, it's a person. We live in the age of the iPhone, don't we? And so much of that name, if you like, pervades our culture. We live in an I culture. It's all about me and what I can get for myself and my family, my priorities, how I spend my money and my time and my effort. And Jesus says, well, repent. Turn around. Stop living just for yourself, for another ideology, another religion even, he says, and turn to me. Believe in the gospel. Believe in me. It's the call to those who know nothing of Christianity, those outside, in the streets around us, as well as uh, anyone here who who knows very little about Jesus or Christianity. But it's also the ongoing call of Jesus to the church, too. You see, you may have made a commitment to Jesus at some point in your life, but does it stop you living for yourself? I mean, maybe it's just me, but I know for myself that the self-centeredness of my heart pulls me back to make decisions To say and to do things that suit me and my family. To spend money and time and effort in ways that only benefit me and my family. Self-centeredness. And Jesus says, repent. Turn around. Believe in the gospel. The gospel about me. About me. Last week, I got a notification from uh, uh, one of the cards that I have my wallet, and it told me that if I used this particular credit card ten times between last week and this weekend, then I, I might win a, a kind of four-nights, all-expenses-paid trip to Qatar to watch the World Cup. So, of course, this week I've been doing the shop on my credit card, on that particular credit card. Uh, I've, I've bought the, filled up the car with diesel on, the, on that credit card. Um, I've bought some books on it. Uh, I've gone to the barbers on it. I've bought it all on the card, okay, because then I might get a chance of getting the tickets to Qatar. I don't know if I'll get the time off to go Um, mostly from the family, but, you know, when it it happens, when I get the ticket, right, you know what's going to happen to that credit card, back it goes to the back of the wallet. I'm not going to pay attention to it anymore. And you see, sometimes we can have that attitude, perhaps to these verses, right? Repent and believe the good news, the gospel, and we say, oh, yeah, 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 I did that 20 years ago. You know, we've used it, and then we've put it to the back of the wallet, if you like. We're not going to refer to it anymore. But you see, being a Christian isn't like getting a ticket to an event. We don't just repent and believe once. No, it's an ongoing good news for us. The way in is the way on. Our lives are to be constant, repeated, conscious, turning and believing. Turning and believing. Just before we get into a couple more of the details of the passage, uh, we're just thinking about that idea of repenting and believing, and what it means, the fact that it's for us, whether we know Jesus or not, Right? Let me apply it in one way. Let me ask you about your prayer life. How is your prayer life? Uh, What makes up the content of your prayer life? Is it a list of things that you bring to God? Oh, please for this, please for that, please for this person, please for that person, please for this in the church, please for that in the church. But they're all good things to pray for, I'm sure. But do we repent every day? As I thought about that myself, I thought, you know what, I don't. I read these verses and I thought, I don't repent every day. I don't consciously turn from the inclination of my heart, which is to live for myself every day, and reorient myself to God. But I probably should. Shouldn't I? So perhaps this week, that might be something that we uh, think about and try. You know, because we have to do it every day, because we're like stupid sheep, or at least I am. We start off following the shepherd, but before too long, we find ourselves distracted, wandering off on the edge of a rocky precipice or high up a cliff with no idea how we got there. We must repent, turn from ourself, and believe in Jesus. The way into the Christian life is the way on. Well, all I want to do uh, for the rest of our time together is just point out a few details in the text that we read, Those just those two verses, that help us see that this is a message for us and for our world in every situation every time and every place. And if you've got one of those handouts that were on the door, those those points are there for you, so you don't have to remember them, although hopefully they're nice and memorable. So firstly, this is a message. Repent and believe, says Jesus. This is a message for every situation or in every situation. It would be really easy to skip over verse 14, wouldn't it? And not to pay much attention to it. But that would be a mistake because... That's the context, if you like. It's the setting for, this, for the announcement of this message. And what it shows us is that this message is a message for every situation. And in particular, it's a message uh, of the good news of God in adversity and in obscurity. Let me read that verse again. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. So this is a message in adversity, given in adversity, because we read, don't we, at the beginning there, verse 14, now after John was arrested. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, the man who baptized, if you look at verse 5, the whole of the Judean countryside and all of Jerusalem, Okay, pretty important preparer of Jesus' way. Somebody who said, one who comes after me will be greater than me. And what's happened to him? He's been arrested, locked up in jail. What's more, we read elsewhere in the Gospels, and in Mark's Gospel, that John the Baptist was put into prison because, well, he's put into prison by Herod because Herod was sleeping with his sister-in-law, his brother's wife, his sister-in-law, who was also related to him already, and John had called him to, you get it, repent. He turned him to turn around and stop doing it. And Herod didn't like it, and more to the point, Herodias Didn't like it. See, it turns out it's not just our modern age who takes issue with God's good design for sex and marriage. You see, Jesus proclaims this message of the kingdom in adversity. In adversity. It might well have had particular resonance for Mark's first readers because it's likely that Mark wrote his gospel in Rome at the time when Nero was arresting Christians and, worse, feeding them to the lions. So how encouraging for them and us, as we face adversity in many different ways, to see in the first words of Jesus that such adversity isn't a reason to stay silent. In fact, it's the time to speak up. I don't actually have this in my notes, but it just struck me as I came in this morning. This is a, you know, it's been it's been a difficult few months, hasn't it, for this church? I know it has. I don't know all the details, but I know it's been difficult. It'd be easy, wouldn't it, in adversity and difficulty? no, no, Jesus' message of repentance and belief is for all times, all situations, all situations, whatever we're facing, ill health, difficulty in church, whatever, this is a message for us. But also, under this point of every situation, we see that this is a message in obscurity, is to be proclaimed in obscurity. Because where does Jesus go he came, it says in verse 14 there, into Galilee. Now, Galilee is a relatively insignificant place. Sure, it's full of people. Now, that's a big difference from the wilderness, where Jesus has just come in from. But it's far from the power center of the big city, from Jerusalem. Uh, with respect to those pr- pr- uh, protesters who we saw up on the screen earlier, they're not blocking the center of Scunthorpe, are they? I mean, I've got nothing against Scunthorpe. I've never been there. Okay? But that's kind of the point, it's, you know. They go to the M25, they go to the the heart of London, Piccadilly Circus, the the Dartford Bridge, right? Yet it's to the slightly obscure and the backward and the neglected and the humdrum ordinary that Jesus goes to proclaim the good news of God. I've said this already, but Kate and I love this place. We love Liverpool, and we're really glad to be back this week. And uh, honestly, living down south where I grew up, where Kate grew up in London, we really miss it. We miss this part of the world. It's a great place to live. But you know, it's also, you know, Egbeth particularly is slightly obscure, isn't it? It's, it's kind of an ordinary kind of place. I mean, no one outside of Liverpool is likely to have heard of Egbeth. If you tell them that's where you live, they probably try and spell it E G G. You probably all know that, right? Well then, what a brilliant place to hear and to share the good news of God. Repent and believe. Turn from yourself. Believe in Jesus. This is a gospel message for every situation, perhaps especially in adversity and obscurity. Secondly, this is a gospel for every time. What are the first words that Jesus says in Mark's gospel? He says this, verse 15, and saying, the time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. It's a message for every time. His appearing, Jesus' coming in flesh, has ushered in a new age and a new dawn. We read earlier, didn't we, the account of Jesus' baptism and how how Jesus saw heaven being torn open. God entering into the world, doing something new in the world through the person of his Son. The fulfilment of all the prophets. The time is fulfilled. The realisation of all of the types and shadows of the Old Testament God's king, come to earth. This is him. This is him. For 400 years, there had been silence from God. No, no books written that make up our Old Testament. You know, the call of the prophet in Isaiah 64, verse 1, would have been, I'm sure, on the lips of many Israelites at the time. "O oh Lord, that you would rend the heavens, that you would split the heavens and come down. Come and do something new again. Come and speak to us again. And here comes Jesus. And the first words, the time is fulfilled. The time is fulfilled. The time is now. There's an urgency and an immediacy to this message, isn't there? Got it the right way. Good. It Reminds me of, um, of these guys. Now, this is a Second World War fighter pilot. Uh, and there he is uh, in, in the Battle of Britain, Okay, uh, kipping in his kit. He's sleeping in his gear. Because he's ready to go. He's ready to go. You know, From the moment the radar operators detected an incoming flight of German aircraft, uh, those fighter pilots were in their cockpits within two minutes. Two minutes. That's how quick they were. They were ready for the bell, ding-a-ling-a-ling-a-ling, okay? And off they'd go, jump in the aircraft, into the air to fight the enemy. They were ready, prepared at all times. And so it is here with the coming and the message of Jesus. The time has been fulfilled. And, and if we were to read on in Mark, just in Mark chapter 1, we'd see that, wouldn't we? You know, what, what marks out the response of the fishermen when they meet Jesus? They immediately, if you look down there in just in verses 16 to 20, they immediately leave everything and follow him. Immediately. The time's fulfilled. It's here. It's now. There's an urgency to what Jesus is saying. They even leave, uh, well, J- James and John, even leave Zebedee, their dad, in the boat. Sorry, Dad. Got to go. The time's come. It's been fulfilled. Well, we might ask, might we, what time has come? What time has been fulfilled? Well, the time, the time, the dawning of a new age, the dawning of the gospel age, heralded by the coming of God's king to earth. And you know, just as the time came then, was fulfilled then, it's still fulfilled now, still now. I used to teach history at Liverpool College and I'd have great pleasure, I don't think I ever taught any of you who are sitting here, that's good for you, Uh, but I would have great pleasure about talking about BC and AD, Jesus standing at the centrefold of history, Anno Domini, that's what AD stands for, lots of people think it means after death, that would leave a gap of about 30 years, doesn't make sense, Anno Domini, the Latin for year of our Lord, remember that this week when you're writing the date, 2022. It's the 2022nd year of Jesus Christ on earth, of his reign, of his reign. You know, this year is his year. The time has come, and it still is. So much has changed, hasn't it, since that time when Jesus walked the earth? But so little has changed as well. Men and women still live for themselves instead of for God, and we see the destructive effects of that all around us. The love and grace of Jesus Christ, who calls us to repent And believe to turn back to Him is the same as is the sure promise of eternity for all those who do that. The time has been fulfilled. Well, let me ask you today if you've not decided to turn away from yourself and start to follow Jesus, to believe in the gospel, well, why not today? The time has come. Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Come to Jesus. Repent and believe. But can I encourage uh, you together as a church, just as I would encourage our church down in Harbin, not to lose your nerve. You see, it would be possible to lose your nerve in this message of the gospel, wouldn't it? It would be possible to do that. And in actual fact, we see that all around us, plenty of churches and denominations losing their nerve in the historic truth of the Bible. In the call of Jesus to turn away from ourselves and to believe in him. they think that message, they say it's just for a, an earlier, less sophisticated, more basic time. We don't need to hear about that now. Thank you very much. In the town we're in, 30,000, 40,000 people, something like that. You know, I can think of four or five other churches in the town there, different denominations. They've lost their nerve. They don't teach the historic call of Jesus on people's lives anymore. They think that to win the culture around them, they have to be like the culture. No. First, the call is to repent, not to agree with. The first call is to turn away, not to turn towards and embrace, isn't it? Repent, says Jesus. So, Egworth Community Church, don't lose your nerve. Keep, as a body, holding to this message of repentance and belief for yourselves and for other people. Well, then thirdly, uh, every place, every place, every situation, every time and every place. What does Jesus say there? He says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, at hand. It's near. Well, what is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God is, is just really simply wherever the king is. You see, so with the coming of the king, and we've seen that already, not only had the time come, but the kingdom of God was at hand. It was near because Jesus was there. Um, Elizabeth I, the first Elizabeth to reign in this country, not the second one who's passing, we've just mourned. Well, she used to have annual summer progresses. That's what she called them. She would pack up her court, right? Everything that used to be around her in, uh, in London, even her bed, right? They'd put her bed onto the back of a cart. This is in the 1500s. And they would take it all around the country in the summer, on these progresses, and the point was to spread her presence around the kingdom. No, uh, you know, TikTok videos for the royal family or Instagram, right, back then. People had to see her to know that she really existed. So she used to spread her presence around the country, visiting. Uh, And, of course, the people whose houses she stayed in, the nobles, they had to pay for it. It was their pleasure and their privilege to host the queen. You see, wherever the queen went, her kingdom went with her. The kingdom was where the queen was, right? And so with Jesus here, the authority lies with him. And we see that, don't we, in the verses that follow in Mark. Just look, just cast your eyes down to verse 24. Even the demons know who he is. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Such authority does he command. So you see, the kingdom has come because the king has come. Oof, we might think that's that's a shame because, well, he's not here anymore, is he? So... Well, no, actually, where is the king now? Well, he sat at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. And by his spirit, which he sent and he poured out, he is everywhere on this globe, particularly in his people, the people who have believed in him. So it is that the kingdom of God is still at hand. In actual fact, in actual fact it's not just at hand, it's in our... Yeah, thank you. Sorry, step there. In actual fact... Uh, it's in our hearts. It's not just at hand, it's in our heart, isn't it? That's where it is. By God's spirit, he has brought his presence right here. So in many senses, the kingdom is closer now than it was when Jesus was on earth. Jesus, the divine king of God, on whom the spirit rested in his baptism, has poured out his spirit on us. So that wherever we go, the kingdom of God goes. Here's a, a map of Egbeth. Now, if I asked you, where is the kingdom of God in Egbeth? Maybe you'd put a big yellow blob uh, just um, by the church here where we're sitting right now. But it would be more accurate, wouldn't it, to say, where is the kingdom of God in Egbeth? Well, it's wherever the people of God are. That's where the kingdom of God is. Because by his spirit, Jesus is reigning in our hearts. And he goes with us wherever we go. And so, this is a message for every place. Don't read too much into that, by the way. If your house isn't on there, then don't worry. I'm, I'm not saying the kingdom of God isn't there. Okay? Yeah. So let's just think about this then for ourselves. Where is it in your life that as far as you're aware, only you bring the kingdom of God? Maybe it's uh, your school or a particular class. Uh, maybe it's in work or an, an office that you work in. Uh, certain colleagues that you socialize with a running club or a football team or a dance class. I don't know. Take a minute. Where is it that as far as you're aware, only you bring the presence of the kingdom of God in your life? Where is that place? In which place are you the only light? Well, here's our message shown in word and in deed. Repent. Repent and believe the good news. Turn away from yourself and turn to Jesus. Jesus, the King. It's a message for every place, and every time, and every situation. Well, as we come to a close, let's just think back to those protesters at the very beginning. right? I mean, I wonder if it's ever crossed your mind. What makes somebody climb up um, a suspension bridge and go to sleep for two days in a hammock What makes somebody do that? What makes somebody glue themselves to the tarmac? What makes them do it? Well, whatever we think of their actions, we can agree, can't we, that they have a strong belief in something that drives them to that action. Well, for the Christian believer, we too have a, a strong commanding belief, don't we? A command here to believe in Jesus. But it's not to believe in the science or the facts. It's to believe in a person. Is to believe in Jesus Christ. Our call is not to climb bridges or sit on roads or get attention for our message by doing crazy things. No, our call is to repent and believe, first for ourselves, and to believe in a person, the person of Jesus, and by our lives and by our mouths to share that message with others. You see, Jesus says the time is being fulfilled. Jesus says the kingdom is at hand. Jesus says, repent and believe the good news. The good news about him. And we simply simply share that message, his message, with his authority. You see, and if we forget that, if we forget that it's about a person, then, well, that message, repent and believe, it could become something mechanistic and repetitive and just habitual, right? Disconnected from our real selves. Uh, if we thought about only the task at hand, the thing we have to share, disconnected from the person, we'll quickly grow weary of the task. It's too big for us. But if we remember and we see whose message this is, if we consider all he's done for us, if we think about and dwell on him and his matchless grace and love and mercy, then we will find all the resources we need to turn from ourselves and to turn to him. And in our speech and in our lives, to appeal to a watching world to do the same. Repent and believe in the gospel. Well, we're going to respond in song in a few moments' time. As we sit, let's just take a few moments to think, and uh, then I'll pray for us as we close. Our Father, we thank you for this message of Jesus, and we thank you that it is his message. Help us, we pray, to listen to him for ourselves, to repent and believe, perhaps for the first time this morning, and if not, then for the hundredth, thousandth, ten-thousandth time. May we be those who reorient ourselves to you every day, to live for you. And we pray as we do that, that our lives may be a witness to your power in us, and that we may share with others this life-giving message of the kingdom of God. We pray in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.